It's showtime. We are live and you are here um, with Mark Cropley from the Dadler Soul Deep Dive. Yes, at the moment I'm on my own, but we have a very special guest waiting in the wings. Just wanted to tell you a little bit about Dadler Soul and what we do. So our mission is to tackle social isolation and loneliness among dads by creating communities that initiate conversations, create friendships and strengthen family relationships. In short, we're here to support dads through fatherhoods. We do that through groups, online sessions, and we're just talking to a lot of our funders and a lot of the areas that we operate in around Sussex at the moment uh, about coming back with physical groups, which we're really happy about. We've done some great online stuff. We did our Father's Day hookup uh, with the guys in the US, um, and they, they've all been amazing, but you just can't beat that physical contact. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks for joining Dadler Soul on the deep dive. I know you're going to enjoy this. So, as they say, without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Mr. Ian Lee. Uh-huh. Just like Hi. Magic, there he is. Hi, Hello, guys. Mr. Hi, Mr. Ian Lee. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Mr. Mark Cropley. I'm all right, um, actually. It's um, it's good. I've got, I'm, uh, I've made some dinner, and I've, I'm going, I'm going vegan for a little bit, for a little bit, just to see what it's like. And I've got cooked as soon as this is done through this door i've got some chili non carne which i'm going to dive straight into and i'm very excited so i'm good i've had a um, a baked bean chili tonight so on very similar levels the chili the How chili gang. The, the chili gang <laughs> right so let's do a bit of uh, an intro to ian uh, tonight's deep dive is a little different instead of a topic discussed with a guest the guest is the topic it's Mr. Ian Lee. Not only is Ian Lee a talented broadcaster with well, over 20 years of TV and radio experience, but his really? life's touched on many areas like addiction, shared parenting and mental health. Most importantly, though, he's a proud father of two. All this makes him a perfect deep dive guest. Thank you for joining us, Ian. I don't have any kids. I think this should been- do. Fusion. Of course I do. Of course I do. I we, we had a few weeks ago, actually, did a bit of research on a, on a lady that was coming on and uh, on a Twitter feed, um, there was something about kids. It must have been something she shared. And I said about her children. She said, no, I haven't got any children. So, uh, yes. Tough hour. Tough hour to fill. Yeah. No, no, it was fine. It was a, it was a great show. It was just that little bit there. But uh, yeah, I, I know you're winding me up there because I've, I've read it on many things. You have two boys, don't you? I have two boys. Yeah. Yeah. Lovely. How how old are they? Boys are eight and ten, and um, they are insane and they are wonderful. And one of the great things about lockdown, they don't live with me; they live with their mum. But we have a very, uh, you know, it's a very healthy, uh, you know, them coming to stay with me and stuff. That's all cool. There's no problems there. And one of the great things about lockdown is I've had them over a lot more. I mean, it's a little bit harder, but I've had them certainly uh, when school was on. I had them over uh, every week which was unusual. And um, the, the one thing that some of your viewers might find a bit weird, but I never mentioned their names and they, you know, they really want to kind of do what I'd want to do. And they really want to be YouTubers and streamers and all of that. And, um, I, you know, I, I kind of let them do that sort of stuff, but I'm also really careful not to mention their names. They've been on the radio with me, but I think once you, once I start mentioning their names, that makes them an open target for the press and stuff and not so much now but when i was in the jungle a couple of years back they tried the press tried to get 
you know, pictures of my kids and and stories about my kids and stuff. And my agent had to say, you can't, he, he never talks, he never, he talks about them. He never mentions them. He's never put a picture out of them. You have to leave them alone. So I'm happy to talk about them, but I'm, I'm very protective because they haven't chosen this lifestyle. I've chosen this lifestyle and they haven't. And I think it would be really unfair to kind of put them in the spotlight. If they get to 16 and they decide they want to do this, then that's fine. Then I will help them every single way I can. But the babies, they're my little babies. <laughs> I, th I think that's really nice, actually. And I've got, uh, I've got three, I say three older children. I've got a 12, a 10, and an eight. So I've got yeah. some similar ages. I've also got a, uh, a seven month old, heads the bags under my eyes. Well done. Congratulations. Uh, yes. <laughs> um, so I, I feel exactly the same. You know, my, my kids uh, have got their own YouTube channels. They experiment with, with different things. It's interesting what you picked, uh, what you said there, actually. You, you're talking about, um, you know, the kids and the press trying to pick up on them. So if you haven't shared their names or any of their pictures yourself the press can't without any digging publicize that i think that's kind of the i think that's kind of the rules if i'd have yeah if i'd have said their name on the air then they could obviously they, the press could print their name i have had them on the radio a couple of times um but yeah i've never i, I can't remember what the age is where the press aren't allowed to print pictures of your kids what the cutoff point is it might be 16 or it might be 12 i can't remember but there is an age where they are not allowed Unless it's a public interest story, they're not allowed to print pictures of your kids unless you have started putting pictures. You know, there are some yeah. celebrities, celebrities, I use that term very loosely, but <laughs> it's a shorthand, that will sell, you know, pictures of their kids being born and, and pictures of their kids on holiday and stuff. I've never, I've never done that and I would never do that. So, no, they can't. They can't. Leave my kids alone. Leave those kids alone. <laughs> um I see we've got quite a few people joining us already. So thanks for coming along to the deep dive with Ian Lee. Um, if you are listening and you are enjoying it, please hit that share button so other people can enjoy it too. Um, I want to come back to the to the family side of things, but um, yes. I, I have here um, a list, which you won't be able to see properly, that Chris, has, our producer, has done for us with your television and a radio career. And it's, it's very long. Um, but it's not necessarily good. There's a lot of um, chaff amongst the, the few strands of wheat well that's why i wanted to dig into it a bit deeper so you've had a, a, a long tv and radio career it started in 1998 with the 11 o'clock show so yes. what have been some of the highlights so far for you uh the 11 o'clock show was a highlight because that was i was 25 and it was my first tv gig and it was just joyous and i was about to give up you know i was doing a bit of stand-up comedy but nothing was happening and i was about to give up and I went for this final audition. It's like, I'm going to do this. And then when this doesn't work, I'm going to go and get a proper job for a few years and reevaluate. <laughs> and um, I got it. 11 o'clock show, very, very hit and miss. A lot of misses there. But I got to work with uh, Ricky Gervais and with Sasha Baron Cohen and with Mackenzie Crook and Charlie Brooker and Dom Jolly and Jimmy Carr and uh, Mitchell and Webb with some of the writers on there. You know, and I, I went from signing on to earning quite a lot of money um, and living the, the the dream, you know, unfortunately I spent, you know, most of that money went up my nose. If I'm being completely, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how direct you want to get in this. What very honest and very deep on this okay, one. Please. Fine. It, the, 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 you know, suddenly having a lot of money after signing on sped up. I was probably a drug addict already. I was a drug addict already, but this sped it up immensely and put it into hyperdrive. Uh, I'm not proud of that bit of it, but I'm proud no. of the 11 o'clock show. Um, what am I proud of? I don't 
I don't really know. You get me at a weird point in my life, Mark, where I've just lost a really big job that I was doing for four years, and I've just started a new job, which I'm really excited about, and is you know, a weekend is going great guns. Also, I've I've just started a college course, and I'm kind of looking at I'm 47 now. By the time I'm 50, I'm looking at possibly being out of show business and being a, a, a counselor. And I have it, it's weird. My any question, and you can ask me anything, and but any question about kind of TV and radio, I'm gonna want I I don't know what my opinion is of it at the moment. And and sure. I'm gonna answer it differently now than if you'd asked me even three months ago, because I'm at this transition period in my life where the past is I don't know where I am. I don't know where I am. Luckily, I mean, we're not going to spend too much time on uh, on your career. I think it's just uh, a good idea to get people uh, to know you a little better that uh, might not have followed your career. You know, we really want to talk around uh, your struggles, the the high and low points of your life and, and how it is to be a dad. Um, so you, you sort of spoke about the 11 o'clock show being, being a high point at the very beginning of the career. I mean, is there any stick out low points for you in the career as well? Uh, <laughs> I, mean, I did a load of crap. I, I, I made a load of rubbish programs. Um, and it, do you feel that was part of the journey? It has to be. It has to be. You know, I said I said no to a lot of stuff I should have done. I said no to um, hosting an episode of Have I Got News for You, and that's because I was full of fear and self doubt, and um, and I really was a drug addict then. And so I said no to that when I should have said yes. And I said yes to a lot of rubbish. And I don't think I was as good as I thought I was at the time. Um, I, I think I was all right as a TV presenter, but I don't I don't think I was actually that good. And that's why it never really sustained. I mean, it could be argued that, that a highlight and a low point simultaneously was doing I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. You know, that was um, uh, it, that it could be depends which side of the coin you're looking at was it one of the, the the most entertaining things i've ever done or was it the most humiliating thing i've ever done what why did you decide to go in there uh three reasons they'd asked me about four or five times before and i'd always said no uh, and this time i approached them and said you've, you've you've asked me a few times is that offer still open and they said i went in for the meeting and and, and thank god it was why did i do it i did it because i was um presenting a show on talk radio and talk radio were not advertising it at all there was no publicity so i wanted to say in front of 15 million people i do a radio show and it worked and i did that and i got loads of listeners i did it because my boys would have been just coming up to seven and nine i think at the time and they'd never really seen me on tv they'd seen me do a few bits and pieces but they'd never seen you know me do a big show and i thought it'll be really good for them to see you know me getting covered in spiders and all of that <laughs> um it will they'll 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 see me looking like an idiot on tv and they did and they loved it uh, and the third reason was i was getting divorced and i needed a shitload of money at a time so i could get a deposit for the house you know that was that was it it was nice having that knowing that that check was in my back pocket you know every time they asked me and i said no it was it was just nice knowing that that was probably there in the back pocket and I could cash it in when I needed it and I needed it and and I cashed it in so and it worked on all three levels this house I'm in now 
celebrity didn't pay for it by a long, long way, but it gave me quite a bit of the deposit that I needed to get wow. out of a flat of a room I was living in. <clears throat> My kids for a while thought I was a hero. Um, and I got a load more listeners to the radio show. So it ticked every every box. So so it worked on the levels that you went in there for. Um, yeah. Just like to say, we've got some lovely messages coming in here. We've got some uh, people that uh, got Danny here listens to you every night. I think we had a, a message come up say that uh, you look really good in affairs. Maybe it's something I Thank should you. get or not. Hello, Lulu. Uh, Hello, Lulu. Hello, Lulu. Oh, hello, Lulu. And Warren, Warren was, uh, yeah, only Ian could rock affairs. Warren, you haven't seen me in one again. And uh, and Victoria, I love Victoria. you, Ian. There we go. We've got some, got some people joining us today, already fans. Um, just going back, uh, just to briefly touch on, like I said, I don't want to spend too much time here, um, the I'm a Celebrity. Um, I've got some notes that say that you really struggled with uh, fame after the jungle and, and did this contribute towards uh, your relapse? Um, I came out of the jungle... And it was a really emotional experience because a lot of the people in the jungle I did not get on with. Wow. And there was an element. It was they, they called it bullying in the papers. I didn't. I didn't call it bullying at the time because I didn't want to kind of play into that. But I was bullied. I was bullied. Um, it was really toxic in there. And apart from Kez, Shappy, and Jenny, I didn't get on with any of them. Really, it was horrible in there. I had a great time for the most part, but it was also really, really lonely. So that played with me um i was hiding the fact that i was separated from my wife at the time because that was nobody's business so that was you know I'm, that was tough and when i came out i found out the press had been doorstepping my family and and all of that um and i came out and i was more famous than i had ever been in my life i i'd had little brushes with fame but suddenly i'm out and i'm filling my car up with petrol and, and kids are coming up to me asking me for a selfie <laughs> you know the first week when i came back I took my boys to see a pantomime at the Reading Hexagon, Mr. Um, Mr. Tumble. And wow. uh, I walked in. It was the first time I'd really been out. And I walked in. And I was going up these stairs at the same time as this school group. And this kid in the class turned around and screamed. And so I looked behind me thinking, what's, what's going on? And someone went, oh, my God, it's Ian from the jungle. And 190 kids surged towards me and my boys. And it was... Ooh terrifying and i had to kind of take control go guys listen uh come and grab me in the interval we'll do selfies in the interval but let me go and get my seat and everyone respected that and my boys were a bit scared by it but boys still talk about it actually and in the interval it was 190 kids taking selfies with me and it was joyous but it was it was more famous than i'd ever been in my life um i'd stopped going to na meetings for maybe 18 months before because i thought i was fine and about a week back I thought, I don't think I'm a junkie. I, I was 13 years clean. I don't think I'm a I don't think I'm a junkie. I think I got that wrong. And I put myself in a situation where I knew there were going to be class A drugs. Um, and I was I was sucking down that pipe like nobody's business. And I was back. I was back in the madness. Um, and I was well enough, to, and I, you know, I, I, I was I was well enough to know that that I was in trouble straight away. And the next day I phoned up some people in recovery and I, I spoke to my best friend and I said, I've, I've done this. And I started hitting the meetings again. Um, but yeah, I had three months. I had three months after that night of going out and uh, of, of using class A drugs. And I'm nearly two and a half years clean again, thanks to the rooms wow. and the ships, AA and NA and all of that stuff. Uh, but so yeah, I did, the jungle didn't cause my relapse, but it was, it was, it was the final straw of quite a lot of straws 
um, that um, uh, sent me back out there. And it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> so it was just a kind of a combination of, of, of many things. And it must be uh, it must be really strange, actually. I mean, I know through doing some of this and, and some other videos that I do for my business that, you know, sometimes, occasionally, you get someone that comes up and recognises you and starts talking to you like they know you. And yeah. even that, I find that strange. You know, it's very strange. But to have that many people come at you when you're just trying to have a, a day out with the kids must be really, really weird. That was that was intense. Um, and it was like that for about four months, and then it just stopped. One day it stopped. It was really weird. You know, we'd be wow. out all the time and selfies and love doing the jungle, or, you know, you stole those strawberries, all of that. And then one day it just stopped, just stopped. And it was, it was weird. My ego was really hurt by it. It was like, Oh God. But, but I mean, ultimately it was a relief, but there is a, you can see why people get addicted to, to, to fame and to doing that, you know, perpetuating that, that, that stuff. Uh, but, oh, but every now and then I, you know, I, I was out, I was away last week with my kids and a couple of people recognized me from the jungle and, you know, and it, it makes my boys laugh. They think it's hilarious, and you know. But I'm I'm glad that has gone. That was that that yeah. kind of fame is insane. You know, the heat is off a little bit now. You yeah. can uh, you can enjoy just being Ian Lee. Yeah, I'm pretty anonymous, and now we have to wear masks. Oh um, yeah. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. No one has a clue. Uh, thanks for joining us, Dan. Dan's actually the founder of Dad the Soul, uh, so hey, he's Dad. joining us there. Hello, Dan. Thanks for your honesty. Yeah, we're going to get a bit more honest uh, later in the show, probably very soon, actually. Um, so uh, everyone out there, I hope you're enjoying this. Um, please get on, ask any questions that you'd like uh, of Ian. And uh, if uh, if you can, hit that share button, please. Let people know that we are here. Um, so I don't want to... This is great. Um, I <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to sound like a therapist here, um, but oh, hang on, Danny, why is he wearing a fez? Do you want to answer that one? Well, because I just I just like wearing hats. I've got quite a nice. In fact, actually, I don't know if that is it there. Yeah, on the top of that Vectrex, that's the jungle hat. That's the actual jungle hat. I just like wearing hats, and um, I just sit around wearing hats. I just see that uh, Yvonne asked if Catherine Boyle is okay. Catherine Boyle is sat in my living room because we're doing our show in a little bit, but um, she's, she's fine. Just like wearing hats. <laughs> How would you know? Why not? Why not? Okay. Um, so uh, let's. I want to just go back even further than your career and and ask what what was your childhood like and what was your relationship with your parents? Um, it was all right. It was all right. Um, you know, having spent years in therapy, I can see that actually it wasn't great. Um, there was uh, a bit of. Uh, sexual abuse when I was in the Cubs. Wow! Uh, just for just for well, intensely for a week away. But there, you know, there was a. I wasn't. I'm going to say a word that some people might find triggering. I do apologise. I wasn't raped, uh, but there was there was certainly advantage. I was taken advantage of as an eight year old, so that was unpleasant, and that wow. kind of changed my uh, my perspective and kind of this twisted twisted this kind of thing where I kind of locked my emotions inside but became louder on the outside to cover that and there was more sexual what I can see now was abuse when I was 14 and um you know with 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 older men at the time I thought I was complicit in it then I can see now that a 14 year old can't be complicit in what happened to me so there was that um and certainly not an eight-year-old either I mean no not the eight-year-old I always knew the eight-year-old stuff was was wrong but I would just joke about it until someone said 
you, you're joking about that. You know that's not. You know, you know that's abuse. I went, oh yeah, oh god, yeah, it is. Um, I mean, hopefully it doesn't trigger you now, but I'm actually um, a cub leader. Um, well, I'm an assistant leader. Um, and I have to say now, and I don't know what it was like then, but the, the safeguarding, I think, is incredible now. You know, I mean, I've just done a, an additional safeguarding course and, and even sort of cuddling and saying hello to a child is is wrong now, let alone what you're talking about. I mean, that is so, so wrong. But that's really sad that that, that has to be, and it has to be, unfortunately, but that 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 has to be the result of a handful of arseholes. and and you know what happened to me? I see. I always try. I always downplay it. What happened to me had a profound effect on me, and yet I do have suspicion around Cubs now. You know because <laughs> because of that. And I, and if my boys ever said they wanted to join it, I would be very very reluctant, which is terrible. I'm not surprised. But it was it was uh, it was my cub leader and her husband, who was the scout leader. It was all their family. One of their sons got uh, arrested, got sent to prison, and is is a notorious paedophile. You know, it, it, horrible family setup um, that that stole uh, that stole from me. They stole from me. They stole yeah. my innocence and they stole my freedom. And um, I get really angry thinking about it. I've not quite worked through it as much as I'd like to have. My breathing gets very shallow. And um, I get really angry about it. And, uh, you know, the, the main players are dead, so they fa face no justice. Yeah, blah, 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 you know. So that had a profound impact. Um, my mum was uh, too loving and too dependent on me for her happiness. And... Um, you know, when my dad left, when I, finally when he left, when I was 14, she said to me, you're, you're my husband now. Okay. Um, and, you know, I, I, and again, I've, it's only recently that I've been able to see that, that, that she loved me, but actually her love was inappropriate in a lot of respects. She put, she put way too much on, on me as a kid. And my dad was a dick. You know, there's no, there's no two ways around it. My dad was was a dick. He was, I, I suspect, he was an alcoholic that stopped drinking. I know he stopped drinking, um, and I, I'm pretty certain he was a sex addict and a love addict, and he was having lots of affairs. I, the, 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 the my attitude, my attitude, my default attitude towards women, is terrible, and it's what I've learned from him. I'm having to really, over the past few years, really relearn what it, it, how it is, what an acceptable relationship between a man and a woman is, because what I learned from him was um, was 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 not great. Um, and we found out in my twenties that he had fathered. I still don't know how many kids he's got. You know, there's me and my sister. Wow. Found out in my twenties that there were more, and then I found out just before he died, I think he died seven years ago, that there were probably at least six, possibly more. Um, so I didn't get on with him wow. for a long, long time. Was was kind of afraid of him because he was he was a bit weird. Um, but then I made peace with him about 10. I'm trying to think my boy was a baby. So I made peace with him about 10 years ago. Um, and then he died seven years ago bastard wow 
always bailing out on me, always bailing out on me. So I made peace with him and then very quickly found out he was very, very ill. Uh, And I made peace before he got ill. You know, it wasn't a deathbed thing, but I made peace. Then he got diagnosed with prostate cancer and and then he died. So (laughs) yes, I'm back that. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, one of the things I've picked up on there, and I know I hear this from, from many other guys, is actually starting to to deal with that later on in life, you know, and actually, uh, certainly for me as well, I, I don't think I've got any skeletons in my closet like that. But, you know, as you get into middle age, you know, you start really un, unboxing and unpicking your life. And it sounds like you found some things that possibly could have been drivers for your um, addiction and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. It, oh God. Yeah, totally. I totally, totally get it. And and it, I came out last year as being bisexual. My God, that was, that was a big thing to, to accept that and admit that publicly. And I still, I still feel shame when I say it out loud. I still feel shame. I still feel embarrassed. So I'm working on it. Um, but God, it. I, I can, I can totally see why I was, I can totally see why I thought taking cocaine and drinking copious amounts of booze was a good idea because I was messed up. You know, I was messed up. Um, but, but yes, you get to an age and, uh, or you don't actually, some people don't, but I got to an age where I was able to start unpicking the threads and, and start yeah. working it out. As we've got a question there, is your mother Greek, Ian? Socrates, Tikanes, Polykalase, um, I can't remember any more Greek. Is my mother Greek? No, she's not. My mother-in-law was Greek. So my wife, my ex-wife is half Greek. <laughs> So we spent some wonderful summers in Zakynthos and uh, Athens. Puina to telephone more. Evo! Great jokes there for uh, Socrates. Excellent. Uh, we've got another one here. Is it true Ian's into his magic? If so, show us a trick. Or is that just because you're wearing affairs? I love magic. I love magic. I'm a big fan of magic. I can't do any tricks, I'm afraid. Sorry. No, man. can't Sorry do to- it on call. Cool. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to watch another show for that. It'd be something you could bring to one of your Twitch streams, eh? Possibly, yes. Possibly. Excellent. Um, So just going back to, uh, I think we've sort of covered uh, a bit of your childhood. Uh, What kind of dad are you? Are you you strict, easygoing? What's your parenting style? To do the opposite of what my dad did is (laughs) is the thing. I don't know... um, strict or easy going i don't know if it's as easy as as categorizing it like that um i am a better dad than i was five years ago uh i think being away from my kids for months doing the jungle taught me that i think the relapse taught me how to be a better dad um and and making mistakes has taught me how to be a better dad excuse me making mistakes you know it's all right to get it wrong. I'm not going to get it right yeah. every single time. It's all right to get it wrong as long as you, as long as I learn from that mistake, then it's all right. And how do I know if something's wrong? It doesn't feel right. It's, it's as simple as that. It doesn't feel right in me. That means I've got it wrong. But I guess my kind of dadding style at the moment. Is talking about stuff and it has been for for a while actually is is talking about stuff and checking in particularly during covid actually particularly during the lockdown is checking in with how the boys are feeling um you know letting them know that it, whatever they're feeling is all right if they're pissed off with me that's all right if they hate me that's all right if they love me that's all right you know whatever they're feeling not necessarily about me but about anything is all right 
and trying to work out help help them understand maybe why they're feeling that and what they can do with that we did a great thing schools are great now we did a great thing when i was doing homeschooling one of the lessons my eight-year-old had to do was um they have a lesson like on a friday of like a mindfulness lesson where they just get right sit and talk about feelings brilliant it is brilliant you just sit and talk about feelings and you you read a little scenario out and you go, what would you, how would you feel in that situation? Why do you think the person in the story felt angry? All of that stuff. And we had to do one. And all it was, all it was, what it was, we, we had a seven minute guided meditation on YouTube. And I said to my seven year old, do you mind if I do this with you? Right. And so we sat there in my kitchen with our eyes closed. I peeked a little link, look at him. And he sat there with his eyes closed, just doing this meditation. And afterwards, I thanked him for it, for letting me do it with him. And I said, I said, how do you feel? He said, I feel, I feel great. I said, do you do that in class? He said, yeah, sometimes. But it never feels as good as it felt just then. Ooh, right in the feels. I got me, I got me. <laughs> it was beautiful. And I was saying that was one of the joys of, um, of lockdown. And there, was, there have been a lot of joys in lockdown, right, for me personally. I got to spend more time with my kids. They had a lot of homeschooling and, and I, I was, it was online and I was helping them with it. And yeah, it was harder work and I'm really lucky. I was working nights and I've got a nice house and all of that stuff. So I get, I'm coming totally from a place of privilege and this isn't a judgment call on people that didn't enjoy spending more time with their kids. Cause, cause, cause I bet for a lot of people, it was a nightmare and that's all right as well. But I got to spend three days a week, sometimes four days a week with my kids every week for a few months and um sharing that kind of stuff was 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 magic absolute magic yeah lovely and i think you know uh warren uh, just came up there saying you know it's it's nice to uh speak openly about the stuff and actually you know one of the things you hit on there is you know it's okay to to fail as a parent sometimes right we we need to understand that that we get it wrong all the time and we, we get this chat in our groups in our online sessions you know guys oh, i failed the kids are doing and one of our, our funding guy, Matt, he's our resident hippie. You know, he says, look, the kids are alive. You haven't failed, right? You're doing them okay. And I think if we're open to that failure, um, we can be a bit more relaxed as parents and, and be better parents. One of the things I'm much better at than I was five years ago. Five years ago, I used to get angry. It never hit the kids, obviously. But um, I'm, never, I'm not angry all the time. But I could, I would sometimes lose my temper. And sometimes today I still lose my temper. And do you know what? That's all right. Because as soon as I've caught myself doing it, I'm really good at, I don't do it very often now, but, but you know, tiredness, the, the world is collapsing, losing a job, all of that. You lose your temper. Kids can be a pain in the ass and you lose your temper. And the thing I'm doing now is really good at, oh, is really good at catching myself, losing my temper and, and bringing it back and talking to the kids about it and talking to them saying look really sorry that was inappropriate the point i was trying to make is this but i shouldn't have shouted at you um I, I'm, I'm, you know and discussing why i lost my temper and 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 um you know it and it's i get it wrong sometimes i tell you the weirdest thing was when we told our boys that we were getting divorced and it was like building up to it and building up to it and it terrifying and um and i and i told the boys they would have been seven and nine, six and eight, maybe. And they went, they, they, they said, they said, does that mean we get two houses? I went, yeah. <laughs> yes. Wow. Okay. 
<laughs> was not the reaction I was expecting, which just goes to show you don't know what someone's reaction is going to be to something. I was expect we were expecting, I was expecting tears and tantrums and I hate you to, to one of us and, you know, all of that stuff. What we got was two houses. Yes. Obviously, more stuff was unpacked over sure. time. But that initial reaction was was, and we had a laugh about it. Imagine telling your kids you're getting divorced, and we had a laugh about it, and it was beautiful. And obviously, as time has gone on, we've explained a bit more. I told my kids last year that I was a junkie. You know, I, 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 we, wow. thank, through the magic of Ant from Ant and Deck coming out as an alcoholic, whether he wanted to or not, he, he was out in the press. <laughs> And I'd, and I'd never really thought about telling my kids. And I thought maybe, maybe I, sh or, 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 I thought I'd do it when they were older. But we've had a really good conversation about him being an alcoholic and what an alcoholic meant. Uh, 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 and they got it. And there was seven and nine. And so I thought about it. And then we were out with them. And I said, guys, have you ever wondered why I don't drink? Oh, you don't like it? I said, yeah, no. I, I said, actually, I do quite like it quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the problem. And I, and I said, do you remember Ant is an alcoholic and what that means for him that he can't stop drinking and that when he drinks, it becomes a problem. But for most people like, you know, granddad or something, they can have a couple of glasses of wine and it's not a problem. I said, well, I'm the same as Ant. I said, when I drink, I can't stop drinking and it becomes a real problem. And I, I become quite an unpleasant person. And they were just nodding about it. And, and they asked a couple of questions. And I said, also, the same thing is for drugs. And my eldest went, wait, what? You've taken a drug? And, <laughs> and I said, yeah, I have. And it it was a problem for me. And I had a long – and I even told them about the relapse. And um, it was beautiful, Mark. It was beautiful. They just – they said, so how long are you, are you sober for now? And I said, just over – it was just over a year. They said, wow, that's a really long, I'm going to cry. They said, wow, that's a really long time. Well done. You should, you must be really proud of yourself. And I said, I am really proud of myself. And I said, I'm, 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 I'm probably never going to have another drink. Um, and I just want you to know that that's why I don't drink. I don't like keeping secrets from you. But also, if at some point in your life, you find yourself in a position where you're a little bit worried about drink or drugs, you now know my situation and you can come and chat to me about it. I said, we're probably quite a way off that, but just so you know that you can always come and talk to me about that stuff and I will not be angry, whatever happens. And then we had a hot chocolate. We were in Costa. We had a hot chocolate and we had a coffee and um, we had a, cup of hot, uh, a cake and we went, came back and played Fortnite. It was amazing. And I didn't realize I'd been carrying this around. And I walked out of that Costa. It was a Cafe Nero, actually. And I walked out of <laughs> Just feeling so much, so much lighter. Not aware that I've been carrying this weight around. It was incredible. It's amazing how resilient children could be, isn't it? You know, to to be that open with them and for we don't think they can understand, but but they do. They understand incredibly well. The age appropriate way, and I, you know, I know my kids, and I know that it's that whole thing of they're teaching teaching sex education to uh, five year olds. Well, no. <laughs> They're not going in. The penis goes into the vagina and there's, <laughs> they're doing it an age appropriate way. And, that, and that's, that's the key to all of this stuff is using language. You know, we know better what our, you know, my kids, my eight year old can probably understand stuff, some stuff better than your eight year old and vice versa. You know, we know yeah. what our kids are capable of, 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 of in terms of comprehension and stuff. And 
I knew that they were ready to have that conversation and it was beautiful. We, we've got to play it, you know, know when that, that time is right. Um, Warren, thank you for, for joining us today and, um, you know, for, for being part of the show. Uh, and you are more than welcome to follow Dad. So we also have a Dad's Only private group where you can come on there and ask questions and chat. Um, we've also got a public Dad the Soul group. Just go on to Facebook and type in at Dad the Soul and you'll find them on there. Haha. Um, <laughs> Your Greek is great. I used to read your columns in Retro Gamer. They were all enjoyable and full of nice memories. Get back in there, Socrates. I'm back writing for Retro Gamer. It's a lovely um, – in fact, you can see there's a big old – there, there's a whole heap of them. It's a lovely, geeky magazine about old video games, and I get paid about five pence to write a column every month, and I love it. I love it. It's my favourite, favourite. Uh, Janice, uh, your children seem very able to understand what you're telling them. Uh, do you think because uh, they love you, uh, they can simply accept anything you tell them? I know if my dad or mum uh, said that, I'd be really frightened when I was on my own, but okay to their face. That is an excellent question. And can we ever really tell what another person is thinking about? No. <coughs> um, I, I think children are a little bit easier to read than adults um i uh, it's a really good question i don't know i think they get yeah. it i think stories like and being an alcoholic is great because we had the conversation a few months before i told them and it was you know it was a very nuanced conversation about the illness of addiction um uh, do you think that because they love you simply accept anything you tell them no i don't I don't because they have challenged me on stuff in the past. So uh, I don't really know, but no, I'm pretty certain not. But thank you. Good question. I, I, I think we just have to, like you said, you know, be in tune with our children, listen to them. We know, uh, you know, their maturity um, yeah. and where they are. I know what conversations I can have with my older child and what conversations I have with my younger child. It's quite hard actually Sometimes, especially having a 12-year-old uh, and an 8-year-old, you know, the 8-year-old wants to know stuff that the 12-year-old knows, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Um, and certainly we've got that bigger gap now. You know, we've got a 7-month-old and a 12-year-old. So, you know, what's going to happen I, then? My kids, not so much now. It's died down a little bit. But <laughs> they were for a long time fascinated with swearing. <laughs> they found it hilarious. And, and yeah, there's nothing funnier than a six-year-old saying the F word. I'm sorry, but that's that's just the way it is. Although we would not encourage that. But I remember a, a couple of years ago, they, they they came back, they'd been to see a film with um, their mum, and they said, and it had the C word in it. I was thinking, what? What the hell is she taking them to? <laughs> and I said, all right, okay. What, 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 was, what was the C word? Crap. And I oh. thought, oh, <laughs> oh. Okay, all right. But I kind of, I'm not going to, but I really want to empower them. I want to tell them what the real C word is. I really <laughs> want to, it's the most powerful ammunition you can give a kid is a bad word. And I want to, you know, say, guys, come here. This is going to be dynamite in the playground. Here's a word. <laughs> 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 the phone calls from the teacher the next day. I know right? exactly, but but don't let the teachers know you heard it from me. Okay. Yes. So it's, it's one of the other kids. <laughs> um, back in 2018, you wrote about coming off antidepressants, and I know a few guys that are starting that journey now. How was it for you, and and what advice would you give them? <laughs> 
I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I'm still on them. Now, um, I didn't pick a great time. Um, uh, halfway through it, my divorce came through, you know, and even though it was, it was done, there's something about holding that letter. Mm. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. Um, it's, it's a real unspoken, unwritten thing in the medical profession is, is how physically and mentally painful it is for a lot of people, not for everyone to come off antidepressants. And I was on Effexor, Venlafaxine, I was on quite a high dose and I was doing it with the supervision of my psychiatrist. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I, I got physically ill. Mentally, I was just in tears a lot of the time and was suicidal and was, uh, it was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And I was determined to come off them. And my doctor psychiatrist saying, well, there, there, there might be a few mild side effects. And a few people, a few doctors on Twitter said, well, there might be a few mild side effects. And um, it was horrible. It was, it, it was absolutely horrible. And I went, I went back on them. I, 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 there was, there was that, did the car crash? No, the car crash hadn't happened. There was that. And there was something else that, that, that kind of happened. And I just thought, sod this, I'm, I'm going back on them. So I have my advice do it supervision of a doctor don't you know don't do it yourself taper it off really slowly if that is the suggestion of your doctor um i don't have any advice because I, I couldn't do it I couldn't are you ready it. to to start looking at doing that again now you know you've opened up quite a lot recently about some of the trauma you've experienced do you think that's gonna send you on that journey i don't want to be on them forever How, how what kind of language can i use on this mark um well we're gone seven o'clock uh, if you've got kiddies on here all right well okay I, I, okay i won't use the language but there's one really really good side effect with antidepressants right it's really good but it's also torture right i can't i can't come now right. now now steady so what that means is, as someone described it to me once, it's like running a really good marathon, but they just keep moving the finishing line. Just as you see it, they just keep moving it around the corner, right? And so what that means is, um, and I'm, I'm trying to tread this carefully because it is quite early. Is, is We did, the, um, just, just to let you know, a few weeks ago, actually, we had a lady, uh, we were talking um, about periods and stuff like that. So I think, okay. you know, biology, let, let's, let's go right. there. Okay, it, what it means is that sex can go on for quite a long time, right? But but even after a while, both parties are going. Should we just should, should we come back to this next week? You know. So, <laughs> if I'm honest, there's a part of me that wants to stay on the antidepressants because that is a wicked side effect, right? It's actually, right. It's, I'm playing it up a bit. It it, it actually it, sometimes it gets me really upset that I feel that I can't finish, and you, you kind of feel less than a man, whatever that means. And I, you know, sometimes actually I do find it really dispiriting. So I'm 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 making light of it slightly, but it but I am I am worried about what my sexual performance would be if I came off antidepressants. You know, uh, it, whether it would be completely the other way. Um, I don't want to be on antidepressants forever. Now is not the right time, but maybe in the next couple of years it might be worth something to look at. I think, but I am at my I am at my most stable in terms of my life, in terms of my mental health. I'm at the the most stable I, I've probably ever been in my life. 
That's really good. And I think, you know, for anyone, and, and I'm I'm no doctor and I can't uh, give any professional advice, but for anyone, it's it's got to be a right time for you, right? It's uh, And it's got to be with, with medical supervision. Always speak to your doctor always speak to your doctor and even if you disagree with them you can tell them i don't i don't agree with you uh but yeah i think i tried to do it at a time when i, I thought things were stable but actually they weren't stable so it was totally the wrong time for me but the withdrawals for me particularly on venlafaxine it, it was it was thoroughly thoroughly unpleasant it was horrendous actually horrendous I, I think you know that's that's as good advice as any. You know, someone that's been there and experienced that, and uh, you know, it's it definitely sounds like it's it's finding the right time for that. Um, so we're forty five minutes into the show. We've got fifteen minutes left in. Uh, if anyone, hour special. What is this? Oh, look, you're oh. running. A ticker tape for my show that's very we kind. are exactly and we're going to get on to that uh very shortly and uh producer chris has flashed up saying make sure we get on you, you don't have to dwell on it too much if you well don't it'd be it'd be nice to, to sort of find out where you'll you'll go into next and we can get on to that um i it's something i i found interesting and, and maybe slightly disturbing um, I in the chat by the way hello matty thank you Okay. Uh, oh, and uh, we got Mr. Chris Buzz there, so a friend of mine. He's popped up there. He, I know he's a fan of yourself. Um, 2016 to 2020, you're on talk radio. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Um, 2020 radio moment of the year. Do you want to speak about that? Uh, it's weird, isn't it? Celebrating, uh, you know, when we were at yeah. talk radio, me and Catherine, my producer and co-host, we won two awards. And the the 2021, it's um, uh, uh, it's weird because it was for a phone call. A guy called Chris who phoned up, who'd taken an overdose, and was was act, he was actually dying. That's no exaggeration. You know, the, the first we thought he was drunk, so we're having a little bit of fun, and then a few minutes into the conversation, he said he'd taken an overdose, and he was really slurring his words. And so I said, "Oh, have you?" Can I just check? Have you got? A, do, you, do you normally have a speech defect? Because we get a few people. We got a mm. guy Jerry phones up with Parkinson's, and we have people with MS and stuff. Um, I said, "Do you have a speech defect?" He said, "No, no, no." And and that was when it clicked. Oh, he really has taken an overdose. This is this is not a put on slurry voice. And it, it, as soon as we realised it was real, we kicked me and Catherine kicked into overdrive, and she went out of the studio and dialed nine nine nine. This guy was in Plymouth. He was out on the street. And he didn't know where he was. So I got him to describe what he could see. And a few people texted in saying, and we managed to pinpoint where he was. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And I had to make a decision. Do I go, do I walk out of the studio and take him on the phone? That would take 10 seconds and risk him changing his mind and hanging up. Or do I keep him on, on the air and risk a handful of people saying I was exploiting him? And I went for the latter because I didn't, I didn't want to lose him. I didn't want him to think, yeah. oh, no, sod this. I'm not doing this. Put the phone down. So we kept him on for half an hour, and I I talked with him. There was about five minutes when he stopped talking, and I thought he died. So I talked at him, including, God, right, you're trying to talk to someone who you think is dying, right? Yeah. That thing of – and it linked him with a conversation we'd had earlier on. It was before Christmas, so we were – and I said, I was asking him what his favorite Die Hard movie was. And I'm thinking, as I'm saying, we'd had a big argument about Die Hard movies. And I'm talking to a guy who wants to die about Die Hard. Um, and it was it was terribly inappropriate, but, but you know, wonderfully funny. You get the, you know, black humor, dark humor. 
And he stopped talking for five minutes. Then he came back and he was alive. And then after 30 minutes, the phone got taken off him and someone went, this is the police. We've got him. We'll take over now. Line went dead. I burst into tears. Wow. Catherine came in and we hugged. We went to a break. And then we talked to the listener about what their response to it was because we kind of then felt a, 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 a need, a responsibility for us all to decompress because it was really intense. Um, and we won best radio moment of the year for that. And, uh, I, I, you know, I can't argue. It was an incredible moment of honesty and um, uh, intimacy. And and, and the, the, what, the, what really got it for me and Catherine, what, what made that so special, and I'm trying to use my words really carefully, is... Um, the fact that, that in a world of phone and radio and, and talk radio now, it is just, why should we wear masks? You know, why haven't we got Brexit? It's a real, it's a right wing, you know, there was, um, they had someone on the other day, a Jewish journalist talking about Wiley's anti-Semitic comments on Twitter. And the presenter said something along the lines of, thank you for that. Well, maybe you think Wiley's got a point. Give us a call now. Now there is no right. racism or, or anti-Semitism. Anti-Semitism is racism. There is no. There is no point. And that's the kind of station it is. You should not be saying, "Hey, maybe you think this anti-Semite has got a point, and and Jews are bad and rule the world." If you agree with that, give us a call. You know, that's the kind of station it is. And 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 what Catherine made Catherine and I so proud is that within this obnoxious vibe we had created this safe little bubble that a man at his lowest point, and I've been suicidal, um, you know, and it is, it's properly suicidal maybe three times in my life where it's been a reality. It's been a potential reality. And that we had created this bubble that this guy wanted to die, but chose to call us. Didn't call yeah. his ex, didn't call his partner. Didn't call the Samaritans, who I think are brilliant, by the way, 116123, if, if, if you ever need them. Um, he chose to call us. And that, for me, is what the award is. You know, it may have been specifically for that 30 minutes of radio, but that's what I perceive the award as being. And then they sacked us. <sighs> then they sacked us, like two months after getting the award. <laughs> Best thing that ever happened to the station, right? Yeah, yeah. The best thing ever happened to me, getting the boot. Hey, listen, I loved it at Talk Radio. They fed my kids for four years. They paid my mortgage. Um, I don't really understand why they got rid of us. I, I think it's – I don't get it, you know, and it was heartbreaking. But actually, it was the best thing that they could have done. It, it, it's the sense of, of relief, uh, I feel, afterwards is just oh, – it's great. It's great to be out of there. Yeah, indeed. Um, Janice, actually, I was going to pose a question to you. Did you have any contact with the guy afterwards? Janice put on in there. Did you meet him yeah. after? Didn't meet him. I, I, I certainly protect him, but we had a few TV programs wanted us to go on. Here's the thing, right? When when someone tries to take their life, but but for whatever reason they are in inverted commas saved, right? Everyone goes, "Oh, well, that's great. That's that finished. Then that's that problem sorted." Not at all, <laughs> right? Morning Britain wanted me to go on with him, and I said, "Nah." I said, "I'm not going to make a freak show out of this." And and it was two weeks ago, and and I spoke to him a couple of times, a few times, and. Um, he, and I can share some of this because he came on the show one more time and shared this. So I'm just being really careful, remembering what he shared 
and what was private. But he, the reason his life had turned to shit was because he was a train driver, a tube driver, and he had to help clear up the aftermath of someone who had jumped in front of a train. Oh dear. And that caused him to have a nervous breakdown, to turn to drink, to become, um, it created severe problems in his behavior, which he became, he became violent towards his ex-wife because he was so, and I'm not in any way justifying that behavior at all. That's abhorrent. And she was right to divorce him and all of this, but it completely changed his personality. And I spoke to him a few times and I, I was speaking to him on boxing day when I just got my kids for Christmas and uh, I was speaking to him on the phone and I was trying to help him. And that call and another call made me realize I couldn't help him any more than that. He wasn't prepared to listen to how I got clean and sober. He wasn't interested in that. And he was not, he wasn't ready for my help. And then it kind of, and then it kind of turned, he started, things started turning on me. I was, I was part of the problem. And at that right. point I had to say, look, I'm going to leave you now, but here's the number for Alcoholics Anonymous. Here's the number for the Samaritans. And I really suggest that you talk to your doctor. Um, don't kill yourself. I don't want you to die. I love you, but you're actually causing damage to my life and I have to take a step back. Yeah. Now. And that was tough. That was tough. You know, it was one thing I've learned in my late mid forties is setting boundaries to protect myself. You know, 10 years ago, I'd have tried to fix him and I would have, and it would have been, I, I saw it after I put the, I'd had I, the boys came here on boxing day and I'd been on the phone to him for 30 minutes, trying to find him somewhere to stay, stay safe. And he was, um, he, he was being a pain in the ass if I'm completely honest. And I thought, my God, I've just spent 30 minutes with someone who's been quite horrible to me. And, I've, and my kids are in the other room. And that's when I started to think the balance, the, the balance is, is not great here. And it was, it was, I gave him the, as many tools as I could to help him, but I had to step away at some point. I think some uh, good advice I, I've heard is, you know, when someone's in that position, they're, you know, it's almost in the fishbowl. They can only see on what's going on, on for them and um, probably can't see the damage that they're doing to other people. And they, they need, professional people to listen don't they i have enough recovery and enough <laughs> addicts and alcoholics to, to to know that if they're ready to get clean and sober they will they will jump at, you know the little bit of wood you chuck them in the ocean and they will mm. cling. and he wasn't clinging to it and that's fine but i also know that if they're not ready they will do everything they can to drag you into their madness and i i'm well enough to not to to, to be able to resist that pull yeah. So I've not spoken to him for, I think the last time I spoke to him was March of last year. Right. And I well, let's all hope he's, he's doing well. And let's all hope that. Uh, Joe, yeah. uh, thanks for popping up. I love Dad LaSalle. I'm local to you in Worthing. Really enjoyed my first visit to your live chat. And my word, who should I see but Ian Lee? And me, of course. Uh, <laughs> great bantering and meaningful chat. This is a great resource. I will revisit your next live session. Please do. We are going to be back here in uh, in September. Um, so we're going to take a bit of a sabbatical in August. And we're going to regroup and come back. Um, Andy, good man, Ian, you should be proud of yourself. Um, Thank you, we're Andy. in the last 
five minutes of the show. Uh, you, you talked about leaving talk radio uh, this year and uh, moving over to Twitch. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about that move in the Twitch. last few minutes and yeah, your new show? Twitch, for those who don't know, is kind of like YouTube for gaming. Um, and it is primarily gamers streaming themselves playing Fortnite and Call of Duty and all stuff like that. And I've been on there a bit. Um, but uh, when I left, Twitch got in touch with me and said, oh, we see that you've left Talk Radio and we see that you've you've got an account with us. And we just wonder, would you like to bring the show over to Twitch? And, and basically they're expanding. They're, they're, they're owned by Amazon and they're, they're looking at getting kind of content that isn't just gaming. And so I spoke to them and I spoke to Catherine Boyle, who is my best friend and my co-host and my producer and, and who is in there waiting for me to cook her tea. And I, and I said, I'm going to ask you, she was still working at talk radio. They didn't let her go. And I said, I'm going to ask you a personal question. How much do you earn at talk radio a month? Um, and I knew it was way less than what I earned, even though she was doing ton loads more work than I was. She was earning way less. And she told me, and I said, right, if uh, Twitch have offered me this, if I split that in the, in, in the middle and give you half, you'll be earning more than you're earning at talk radio. Would you come and do the show with me? She went, too right. <laughs> and, um, and she did one last show at talk radio and left. And she now, um, uh, it's week two of us hosting the late night alternative, 9 PM till midnight. Um, weeknights on twitch and it's a delightful silly phoning show and i've got to say your setup is slicker than ours god knows how you're doing all that um, and it's a three-hour phoning show and we have guests first guest was bob mortimer who um is a fan of the show and uh we've had mike mccartney and katie puckrick we've got dick and dom stephen page keith and the girl coming on tonight um and it's it's a really silly phone-in show where it's not the late night alternative with Ian Lee plus Catherine Boyle. It's our show. It's 50-50 and it's a joy and the money is 50-50 and um, we love it. And and last week was a great start. It, it's it's going to give us, it take a couple of months to really relax into it, but we're having the time of our lives hosting a phone-in show and the only phone-in show on Twitch. It's getting good figures and it's a podcast and it's on YouTube. It goes up on YouTube afterwards and, just me and my best mate messing around. My job is to make her laugh. If I can get two big laughs out of her and vice versa, then we've had a good show. And that's something you can do from the comfort of your home as well, by the looks of it. Listen, we may be getting paid the same, but I ain't stupid, Mark. We do it from my home. She has to come here. And I cook for her every time. Hang on a minute. I've drawn a short straw. <laughs> yeah. Catherine, you can bring food around if you want to. It's, fun. it's really good fun. We're really, really lucky. Really lucky. Get the microwave going. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ian, thank you so much. Um, how can we uh, get in contact with you? What are your uh, Twitter handles, your Facebook page? Let us know. Ian Lee, just look for Ian Lee, I-A-I-N-L-E-E on all the social medias and um, come along and say hello. And I just will give it again, the number, the Samaritans, you That's don't great. have suicidal you you know there is a, they have a real image of you've got to be at your wits end i've called the samaritans when i have been at my wits end but i've also called them when i felt really really lonely and they are just this wonderful resource they're really busy at the moment obviously so you may have to 
ring a couple of times. Um, but it's it's free. It's totally anonymous. You can give a fake name. They don't know who you are. They don't know your. Don't think they see your phone number. They don't know where you're calling from. And it's one one six one two three. And they have literally saved my life when I've been considering. Uh, you don't use this lightly. When I've been considering where to put some rope to hang myself, they have they have managed to. Just get me off that edge. One, one, six, one, two, three. You're putting it in the chat. They're brilliant. That's that's a really important resource, Ian. And you know, thank you so much for uh, for sharing that. Anyone that uh, wants to also join the uh, Dadless Soul Close Group, we've also got the number on there for Calm, which is campaigning against livering miserably, which is also Excellent. another great resource as well. Uh, Warren, A.K. Before Shores, will catch you and Catherine later. Uh, really pleased. We're I've on in an there. hour. Yes. Yes. Okay. So before before stores, not sure. Sorry about that. Um, excellent. Thank you, Ian. You've been amazing. The audience have been amazing. Chris, producer Chris, has been amazing. And I've been Mark Rockley. Oh, it was all you, Mark. You did it. You drove this bad boy home. Uh, it's really nice to meet you, man. Thank you. And good, 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 uh, good luck and good work with all the stuff you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. See you later, everyone. <laughs>